0: My guest today is the co-founder of BB Studios, Ben Horning.
1: The time frame is so damn real time when it comes to this space. It's literally from week to week, there are different vibes going reverberating back and forth through the Twitter sphere. And I remember a particular week in March where all of a sudden everybody was scamming. Everybody was questioning if everything else was a scam. <laughs> I remember I had to dox myself to like three of BB Studio's members with my LinkedIn address, you know, account just to prove to them that I wasn't trying to scam people.
0: Hello, NFT land. It's me, Second Realm, aka Eric Paul Rhodes. And this is the Out of Realm podcast where we talk to artists and professionals in the NFT space. My guest today is the co-founder of BB Studios and we discuss everything from his perspective on money as a 12-year-old to his failed startup, BarSpot, and his upcoming Harmony and Discord project. Now, as a reminder, this podcast is ad-free and the way that we get support is from listeners like you. So if at any point you find this content useful, please take a screenshot and text it to one friend who you think would also enjoy it. Now, thank you for joining me today and let the show begin. How's it going, Ben? Pretty good. Yeah. How's it going? It's going really well. Yeah. We've talked before. This isn't the first time we've talked. Our last conversation went four hours long, and we talked about a lot of stuff. This time around, we're going to try and be a little bit more uh, condensed.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I tend to ramble, so that's that's mostly on me.
0: <laughs> no, it's. I like to conversate with people that I have a good conversation with. So you know, it was obviously worth it for both our ends feel like we've become friends in the space you know definitely uh, definitely you know so there's so much to talk to you uh, about um, but i'm going to start where i start with all my guests i think we started the same question last time but i want to ask you what who is like 12 year old ben and what does he think of who ben is today and where ben is sort of like in the nft space
1: it's really interesting you should ask that question again because I recently received a bunch of stuff from my old room at my parents'. And I actually got to That's go cool. through and look what old 12 year old Ben was thinking. And ironically, most of my problems have not changed. Yeah. was <laughs> <laughs> I, I was complaining about not having a mo- enough money back God, when yes. I was 12 years old, which I didn't, I don't remember that. You know, I I don't remember those kinds of memories when I was that age. Yeah. Did you just like, like, was there like a
0: notebook or? Yeah, it was like
1: this little uh, class project. It was like, oh, you know, things about yourself. It it was like, one of them was like, I hate not having any money. That's cool. That's weird. I know. It's so
0: weird. What does that make you feel uh, now that you're a decade away from being 12? Or a couple decades, I don't really A couple really know. decades, yeah, a couple decades,
1: actually. It's funny, you know, it just, I get I tend to get a very reinforced feeling of the more things change, the more they stay the same. So that's probably what I would take away from that. What kind of things was, was 12-year-old Ben into? So I'm not really 100% sure on the timing, but I do remember something that has shaped my life significantly. Did you... Yeah. Do you remember uh, Nike pumps? Yes. Yeah. So I like back then, my parents didn't have that much money. You know, they couldn't get those things when they first came out. All my friends had a lot of, you know, they all had the Nike pumps and everyone Us was too. raving. Yes. Raving about it. And I felt less than because I couldn't get Nike pumps. and so I kept I'm begging, right begging and begging. My parents couldn't get yeah. it for the longest time. So like a year and a half goes by, right? The Nike pump craze is that now over. They've gone down in price to where my parents can finally afford to give them to me. And I've badgered them for so long for them to get it to me. And I finally, I remember, I distinctly remember putting them on for the first time and pumping them up and realizing that it didn't do anything. It did nothing. It did nothing. Absolutely nothing.
0: Yeah. I was in your boat. I never got the Nike Nike pumps. What I got was, I don't remember what brand it was, but they had a... Plastic no a rubber basketball on the lip, and you could press it, but it
1: didn't. that's what I, that's the one I got so yeah. it was like yeah, it was like the off it was, it wasn't even like it was just like the knockoff brand probably yeah, yeah, and you couldn't do anything with it, yeah, so that I mean, like kind was, of shattered like you know it kind of weirdly shattered the sense of materialism for me on a certain level,
0: you know, I think I had the same- I had a similar experience with materialism, growing, growing up around here, there was like the rich kids had something called Cavaricis. Do you remember Zeke Cavaricis?
1: Uh, I don't remember those now.
0: So Zeke Cavaricis were like high end Italian pants and they had like, like they were the pre felt like a precursor to MC Hammer pants, but they weren't as billowy. It was like, okay. you know, nice. dress pants that just had a little bit of a hip, it, you know, came out on the hip. Anyway, I got the knockoff ones from Caldor. That were like, not exactly Cavaricis, but I just remember thinking when I got them, what was the whole point? Right. Yeah. Okay. I got these. It kind of looks like them. Nobody's really saying they're not them to me. Right. And I don't think I, I just, I never became a, I need many things or I need things to make me happy kind
1: of a person. Sure. That's, I mean, you know, they say that experiences over things will make you happier in the long run.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, you know, sim- Unfortunately, I don't think that I knew that experiences was something you could enjoy too much. But that's just because of I was so stuck in my head. But
1: well, I mean, know. for instance, like taking a vacation rather than buying an object. Like, that's, uh, yeah, the vacation is yes. going to bring you more joy than the object. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. Buying. I, I much prefer doing things as opposed to having things.
1: Yeah, you know, for
0: except. Sure. I mean, there are things that I enjoy, but baseball cards to me and Legos were like, they were, they were hobbies that I had to collect and like, you know, put sets together or build things with, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. It wasn't Mm -hmm. just like putting a thing in my pocket and then have, you know, being happy that I had it. There was an experience element to the collecting.
1: Yeah. Collecting is a different animal, I think, than, than just having things to have things. I don't know. I had a bunch yeah. of collections when I was a kid, too. What'd you so, collect? Uh, I collect bones. I collected. Uh, kind oh, of, what kind of yeah. bones? Just bones we'd find when I, like, by this, like, stream. Uh, when I was a kid, we'd find, like, mostly bleached out bones. You know, it wasn't just like rotting carcass bones. It would just right, be, like, yeah. completely bleached out heads of, like, raccoons and stuff. And my oh, wow. dad would sanitize them. And I had a shelf. I just had all these different, you know, it's, it's weird. It's not like, you know, it's not like a hunter's collection. Right. But yeah, so I had that. I had a gym collection. I mm-hmm. had a coin collection.
0: Yeah. I think that feeds your interest in, and we'll get into sort of what you're doing in NFTs later. But I'm that's why that this feeds your interest in NFTs. Well, that's why this whole space
1: made sense to me.
0: Yeah. What kind of things, what were you doing before you entered the NFT space? I know you were an entrepreneur. So what kind of businesses did you develop?
1: Uh, well, I started off about a decade. Or so ago trying to start a, a company called Bar Spot. Mm-hmm. And it was basically we would uh, set up webcams. You could see live feeds or semi-live feeds of bars to see out if you know if the bar was packed, you want to go out and hang out. because uh, you know, one night I had a friend fly in, I hadn't seen in like a couple of years, and he it came in on like a Tuesday night, you know, and it's like where I'm from, it wasn't that busy on the weekdays. So we hopped in I don't know how many Ubers, spent a ton of money driving all over the place to try to find this bar. And we finally showed up to this place, you know, towards the last call. And the place was packed. And we're like, no, why didn't we? Why weren't we here the whole time? Right. You know, so I was like, oh, we could have been if we just known about it. And that's how I had the idea. And I ran with it. And just, you know, I mean, the whole cliche of like every single possible thing you could have done wrong. I did wrong, that was like very, very much true in that situation. <laughs> What's one of them that sticks out to you? Probably approaching trying to approach VCs too early because then it gave them a jaded view of who I was. Actually, approaching VCs at all, probably for what I was in at the time and where I was at. The the area I was at, the industry and my idea was considered a sin-based industry. Right. So I did, I couldn't get any traction from VCs.
0: VCs weren't investing in in
1: technologies
0: that were supporting bars or
1: something like that. Yeah, sin industries is what yeah. they called it. Really? Yeah, they yeah. literally called it sin-based industries.
0: Wow. What's other sin-based,
1: you know, Gambling, businesses? I don't know. Yeah. Gambling, strip clubs. I don't know. They just lumped everybody together, apparently. That's unfortunate. Yeah, it That's was unfortunate. really unfortunate because all it did was, let my idea out into the ecosystem. And then a VC firm that wasn't opposed to that kind of concept decided I wasn't able to execute and nothing I was doing was technically protected. So they went out and ram shot it all over. Oh, so they ended up building their
0: own project.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. But they didn't do it correctly. and They burned through all their cash, predictably. So, So they crashed and burned. And I kept just, you know, trying to... Go on and do my own thing, but interestingly, like even when you crash and burn as a BC, you you still make it out with your your hide. Not so much if you're doing it on your own.
0: You there's there's a nest egg that they're working with where there's an acceptable acceptable level of loss.
1: Mm-hmm. And, it's and even when they're them. losing, they're still winning in some yeah. cases.
0: It's built into their business
1: model. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty nifty if you can take advantage of that. Shit. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'd like to get to get to a point where i become so successful that Second Round has a VC arm. We're not there yet, but maybe one day.
1: Right. Hey, man, that'd be sweet. And if you mm-hmm. can do it right and like respect founders, that yeah. makes it even better.
0: Yeah. Now, I remember you telling me a story about uh, an opportunity to
1: pivot. Uh, oh, that, yes. That you
0: passed on. Wanna t- tell us about that.
1: And see, this is, you know, this is like a thing. Probably, if I had paid attention to it, I could have pivoted out of the quote sin-based part of the industry and into something you know successful. But at one point, we had a owner uh, that had like two or three random gyms, uh, you know, workout gyms located all over the city, and he wanted us to install a system to give him you know the ability to do the same thing, but for his clients to see if the gym was full or not. Now, at the time, in the technology, to build a whole new website back then would crush my budget. Yeah, right. What What are we talking? What What years? This would have been like two thousand six, maybe. So pre pre iPhone. No, no, no. Two thousand seven, because I did have a iPhone, working okay. iPhone app. Okay, so not not pre iPhone, but pre pre Twitter. It was just when Twitter started. I I was literally first on LinkedIn, and like Twitter had just started. Yeah. And so I was, I mean, I remember LinkedIn's UI was garbage all over the place at first. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I was on the scene all when all that stuff started. Yeah. And people didn't even know how to use Twitter at first. No,
0: no, not at all. Yeah. Like social media wasn't even like a standard marketing concept.
1: There was just a one-to-one connection ratio for everybody. Yes. Everybody was following everybody and everybody was following everybody else. So there was no yeah, yeah we were, we were
0: right. using we were
1: using SMS to text on mm-hmm. Twitter. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but so this guy he wanted you know the tech wasn't there to where we could just spin up a whole new little thing just for him, right? It just wasn't like we were just we just weren't focused on it, and we should have been. Yeah. Well, we you you
0: were you were hosting all of this all of the databases you had built a custom backend.
1: Yes. For the client
0: and a custom front end, right? Yeah, we had a
1: custom front end for everybody else. We had a custom back end just for the client to be able to turn on their cameras on and off. And that was a huge pain in the butt, you know. And then we had to, you know, process on site before we're uploading. And that goes back to why we were able to stick around and why that VC firm burned through all their cash. They were trying to stream everything live back then.
0: Yeah, over probably what was pretty shitty internet. It wasn't even broadband yep. yet.
1: Yeah. So it looked crappy and it was super expensive. They burned through yeah. all their cash pile trying to do it. Meanwhile, our video looked great. It, you know, they no one could tell that it was offset by a couple minutes mm-hmm. because we we're processing it client side first. So, you know, we had great technology, we had a great concept. We got zero point zero help from the local community. If actually I got negative help in one in one instance. What do you make of that? Uh, A VC firm that had previously approached had an event. I didn't get registered in time, but I did show up for the event. Mm. And I just asked, I had a working iPhone app at that point. I had almost 30 bars on board broadcasting. And I go up to the founder or the event, uh, you know, the guy who was controlling the event, he happened to be the the guy that I'd pitched to previously. Asked him, hey, you know, could I just get on on the tail end of this thing? Because I didn't get a chance to, you know, I didn't get a chance to register. And this was after I get a speech about being agile, by the way. Huh. It gives me this snide look. Now nah, we can't do that. I said, I said, we're Oh, I Agile. Don't. I said that <laughs> whole speech cool. about being agile is bullshit. He just kind of snickers. And so the thing starts up and there was a couple of cities before us and people they're getting done with their presentations quickly. And each time the, the people that were listening, they're like, anybody else? Anybody else? And so I'm thinking to myself, oh yeah, this looks good for me. Right. Well, it gets around to us. Oh, so all of a sudden we have technical difficulties and only he can talk to these people. And, and now it's a headset that the founders have to put on and talk to, right? So we go through our whole lineup. It gets to the end. I can distinctly see the last person in the lineup, hand it back. I can see him put on the things, headphones again. And I can see the people go ask him, is there anyone else who wants to present? And he says, nope, no one else. Boom, on to the next show. Wow. That was all because he shot me down and you know, if I'd proven successful, that would look bad on him. Right, yeah. It's dirty like that sometimes.
0: How do you translate sort of those learnings uh, into the business now?
1: I this second time around I spent almost zero time courting VC firms. Like and that's I, that's a, that's your strategy. Yeah, I mean <laughs> where they got like <laughs> there's nothing unless you're a rock star programmer and you've got a system built already they're just going to tell you if they really love your idea, they're going to tell you maybe like, and you're really attractive and you check all the boxes off then they'll probably invest in you. Right. But if you don't check all their boxes off and they still love your idea, they're going to tell you something like, we don't think you can execute. And then they're Mm -hmm. going to steal your idea and then they'll steal your idea. What are some of those boxes that they, they like to check off? You having connections with like high up people, I think is one of them. If you're nobody, I don't think, that you're very attractive, to be honest.
0: So almost like if you don't have a network, you're you're devalued.
1: Immediately, yes. Yes, I think so. That's just been my experience. I think that being a first-time founder, you're automatically devalued. Yeah.
0: I'm purposely bootstrapping second row for the simple fact that I don't want to have to answer to anyone. And I know that puts me at a disadvantage in a space where there's a lot of Money being flat, you know, money being thrown around, because um, money can get you all kinds of things that a bootstrapped business can't. Right? Speed, access to developers, access
1: to you know whatever the case is. I, mean, um, I wish that. it was just money. I don't even really think it's money these days. What do you think it is? I think if I had a, a handshake agreement with a VC firm to invest one dollar with me and broadcast it, I'd have. I'd have clients by end of the week. It's clout. Why do you think there's, why do you think startups are opting to go with uh, random celebrity investors now instead of VC firms?
0: That's a good point. Celebrity investors like Ashton and and Paris, is that who you're
1: thinking of? Or even like uh, George Clooney with uh, tequila. Now, that's a great tequila, by the way, if Mm -hmm. you've had his tequila. I have not, I've not been paid to say that, but it is fantastic. Yeah. So he obviously knows what he's doing.
0: I feel like celebrities have been getting into the alcohol game for a long time. You know, it was Ciroc.
1: Just, Yeah. I mean, that's just like a off the top. I mean, all right. I mean, yeah, I guess I'm trying to think of like a tech company that just got a random. Okay. Uh, how about U.S. Mobile? or you right with the uh, oh, what's his face blanking on the, the guy's name at the moment? Ryan. Uh, oh, totally blanked on the name. Seacrest? Not Seacrest. Like That's why I'm blanking. I'm thinking Seacrest.
0: Yeah. Uh, no, it's the guy from uh, oh, yes, the guy from Deadpool. Yes, Deadpool. That's what.
1: Ah, why is what's it? Why is his uh, name not Ryan Phillippe? Ryan, but uh, okay, so the case in point, like they're Ryan Reynolds, company. Ryan Reynolds. God, why Why couldn't I think of that? Okay, but yeah, so case in point, what does he have to do with mobile tech? Nothing, but he's got money, exactly. Well, more, more noticeably, he's got you know, reach. He's got oh,
0: right, yes, he does have reach. Yeah, he is. And he has this very specific. I think he has a very specific uh, audience demographic. Uh, He's in a strong and like a strong core audience, probably too. Yeah, yeah. You know the eighteen to thirty-five male who
1: watched Deadpool. And so this tech company, like I don't know how much he got, you know, invested in, but obviously this tech company was like, oh, we could get a VC firm, and maybe they did get a VC firm too. Yeah, who knows? I, I don't know, but it just seems I, like I'm thinking yeah.
0: of Open C and. Yeah, they ran an investment round with Andreessen Horowitz, right? Yep. Along with that came Tim Ferriss, came, I think, Mark Cuban, came Ashton, you know. And then you yeah. had Blau and Rack, who are NFT uh, music artists who were in on it. So, yeah, they're definitely part of it. It's a clout game, for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean big clout. <laughs> I mean, now they're not even dancing around it anymore.
0: Yeah, what's uh, so I'm gonna play dumb here. What's bit what's BitClop?
1: I'm not on it personally. It to yeah, me I'm it sounds it like the exact antithesis of Twitter. Really? Well, so Twitter for the most part, I mean, you know, there's a little bit of celebrity, uh, you know, top-level celebrity, maybe top level artists, right, in the crypto art space. Yeah. Right now. But for the most part, I don't really see a social hierarchy that much. There's just like a bunch of people talking to each other.
0: Yeah, I think the social hierarchy stops at, at at the check. Yeah. You have, you know, other than DMs, right? You have access to
1: everybody's tweets unless they block you. Right? Yeah, exactly. Mm. So not like LinkedIn where there's like, you know, oh, this is who you are. This is how much you know. This is what yeah. you've done. Blah, blah, They've blah, always like been a
0: networking site, though. So that's sort of how that, right? I mean, that makes
1: sense for them. But yeah. like, so like I said, there's no social hierarchy for, you know, discernible social hierarchy to me. but BitClout sounds like the exact opposite. Like the more people listen to you, the more your token becomes worth. And like I don't know, I don't know the details, but it just seems mm. like I don't know. just seems like you're rewarded for how much someone, you know, how much people is it like a
0: you. social score kind of thing?
1: Kind of sounds like that in disguise. Like, yeah. hey, you're gonna get rich, and this is why you don't mind to be mind being social scored.
0: I'm gonna ch- I'm gonna have to check it out just to. I don't want to be social scored. Right. You know, but I do need to, I feel like I need to check with, check out what this product is.
1: I probably need to check out too before I dog yeah. it too hard. I mean,
0: <laughs> one of the things that's frustrating, and I wonder if you feel the same way about, about this space, NFTs, crypto art, uh, blockchain in general, is that there's so much going on, so many things
1: happening so fast. It's hard to stay up to date. Yeah. And well, I like, think that's... I don't know. I think the the space is propelling itself on that momentum almost. Yeah.
0: What do you do to stay sort of up to date on,
1: on things? To me, well, okay. So this is like, I desperately need to get an iPhone uh, or, you know, iPad or something so that I can get on Telegram or Clubhouse. Mm-hmm. I need to get on one of those probably. But Twitter to me seems like it's, you've got your finger at the pulse on Twitter. Yeah. I mean,
0: it- I, it is the I, I've been calling it the town hall of crypto art, but now people are calling it nfts
1: you know I like, I like crypto art better personally
0: I like crypto art too, but nft it's it's amazing to me that it, actually it's not amazing at all nFT is an acronym it doesn't mean anything when people see it where crypto immediately comes in when people see the word crypto, I think they have an immediate sort of Standoffish reaction because of because of what it can or doesn't mean or does mean to them, you know. That's fair. Yeah, there's some algorithmic stuff. I don't understand crypto, right? Yeah, and NFT true. doesn't mean anything. It's just three letters. They don't fucking care. You know, that's probably why they went with it. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's funny because the time frame is so damn real time when it comes to this space. It's literally from week to week. There are different vibes going reverberating back and forth through the twitter sphere. And you know, I remember a, a particular week in March where all of a sudden everybody was scamming or everybody was questioning if everything else was a scam. Yeah, <laughs> I had to yes. like I remember I had to dox myself to like three of BB Studios members with my LinkedIn address, you know, account just to prove to them that I wasn't trying to scam people.
0: Yeah. I think that that comes from cuz right about that time was when mainstream media was starting to move away from uh, NFTs are the next big thing to NFTs are a, hype bubble. The yeah. next bubble. Yeah, exactly.
1: Well, yeah, it's, they, it's they a trend. facilitate that every time.
0: Uh yeah, they do. Yeah. And I mean, and it's planned well, I think.
1: I think it's planned. In what way? I think the 2017 media hype of Bitcoin was planned. Really? Yes. They saw the distribution happening too quickly, and they're like, "Let's scare the shit out of a bunch of people in this market for two years, so that his, his, you know, institutions the time to you know catch up." And they have, in and they did a big way. It worked on me. I was, you know, it worked like on me like a charm. Yeah, yeah,
0: you know, that's why I think they did it. I think it was bad for I mean I know people love the idea of of having institutional investment but I actually think it's bad for the technology to have institutions you know maintain the bulk which I think over time they will you know basically suck up the bulk of
1: uh bitcoin. Yeah, it's frustrating.
0: Well, then it becomes less about what it was supposed to mean, right? Because it's in it's with if corporations end up controlling the bulk of Bitcoin, it's no longer decentralized.
1: Well, it just becomes a corporate asset.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Which is it already it, has. They've yeah. already
1: acknowledged it is.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I love, you know, Mike is it Microsystems? Uh, what's his name? Yeah. Michael Saylor. Michael
1: Saylor. See, I remembered Saylor. his name right off the bat. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Genius Ryan. Reynolds. Approach. <laughs> uh, no, that's all right.
0: Ryan, I know you're listening to this episode.
1: Right. And sorry, Ryan. Um,
0: we deeply, deeply apologize. And if you know at any point you want to come into the NFT space, we're and here also so. I, I liked Van Wilder, so yeah, there you I go. Lo- <laughs> <laughs> loved it, loved. I it. loved it too, loved it. What was that movie with him and Amy Smart, best friends? No, friends uh, with benefits. Is that I it? don't remember that one, but he's he plays like an old fat, uh, like this. He was a he was friend zoned. Because he was fat in college. And then he oh yeah, fat. no, that was actually a good one too. Yeah, that was a good one too. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: All he right, all
1: right. Really so that, <laughs> <characters>. <laughs> We're going fanboy to make up. In fact, we <laughs> <last laughs> We are fanboying a little bit. Uh, all right, all right, all right. This is enough bad. about is, you, Ryan. This is how we go four hours. <laughs> this is what I do. I'm this sorry. Is, yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We start getting off on tangents. <sighs> okay. I'm terrible. So back. Wh- where are we going to? Where are we coming from?
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is terrible. I'm. I'm. I'm the worst at this. We were talking about... I don't know. We were Bitcoin. talking about... We were yeah, talking yeah. About Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, becoming a corporate asset. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So Bitcoin, beca- be the danger there is, is is that it will do the opposite. I think it will do the opposite of what was originally intended to, which was to be a decentralized sort of, you know, currency for, for the... Uh, I hate using the word proletariat. For the
1: people. Right? Uh, I'm a little more optimistic. I'm a little more optimistic in the fact that if at least if that happens, it'll be recorded for everybody to see if it stays on chain like that, right? That's a good point. Yeah,
0: and really, we could just move to a different asset, couldn't we?
1: I think it's kind of happening already. Uh, don't with Ethereum. I was going to say with Doge, that I... one that one hit me out of nowhere.
0: The problem I have with, with Dogecoin is
1: it's literally a meme token. Oh, don't get me wrong. I it has no 100. utility. I agree with you 1 million percent, but. How does it have this much staying power? It's just because everyone refuses to freaking. Well, that's, go what, away.
0: that's what memes do, right? Memes have staying power.
1: So if it has staying power and people start using it, I mean, I mean, you know.
0: I believe the Dallas Mavericks are accepting it as a payment
1: at their, uh, I their just, home games. I don't know. I do my homework on projects and I don't. I, I never bought Doge. I don't intend to buy Doge.
0: I won't either. Never will. Um, I think it's fun, you know, and it's cool for people who have been able to watch it get up to 69 cents or whatever it is now.
1: Hey, you know, if you're one of those people that got in early like I should have, and it's changed your life financially, you got out now and it's changed your life financially. Great more for More power to you. Yeah, yeah. More power to you. Yeah. For sure.
0: Yeah. I just, I never saw it that way.
1: So. I never saw it coming I, yeah. because I never considered it a legit project, and so yeah, I don't know. Yeah,
0: I you um, some, you lose
1: some. <laughs>
0: yeah, certainly. You can't you can't beat yourself up about the things
1: you things you didn't you didn't hit on. Mm, I beat I, myself I, up a little bit about dot because I saw that coming a mile away and I didn't get into it anyway. Which so one second, was that? Polka dot. Oh, okay. I saw it come my way, and I second-guessed myself, and didn't get into that one yeah. either.
0: So I got into Chainlink a long time ago.
1: Nice. Um,
0: and then I got out of Chainlink before it really went you nuts. Know. It, it, it helped me sustain over the last year. So oh, that's
1: good. I, yeah. you know,
0: The only reason I got it is I had to, I had to liquidate.
1: Oh, okay. You
0: yeah, had to pay bills, you know? Hey, yeah, yeah. And that's, it, it did what it was supposed to do. I'm not upset about, you know, not having my thousands of Chainlink
1: now. I mean, that's why they call it an investment.
0: Yeah, exactly. So uh, how are you investing in yourself these days?
1: Well, you know, what, I get, what really got me excited about the crypto art stuff was back in January when I first, actually, I was rediscovering Decentraland back mm-hmm. in, De- in January. I had actually, I had visited Decentraland right when they first started it. And it, I was like, this is the coolest concept ever, but everything looks like pure crap and yeah. it doesn't work. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, I'm off of it. You know, I, and I forgot about it for a whole, probably like a year and a little bit. And then I got back on. I was like, holy crap, they made a ton of improvements. And then I saw somebody on Twitter. I don't know if he just had his Twitter on. on they didn't realize he was broadcasting. I saw somebody beta testing with what, I, what looked to me like Oculus. And it looked freaking awesome, even though that was glitchy as hell, right? Yeah. But I could see the trajectory, so I was like, I aped in. I got a piece of uh, decentralized land for pretty cheap, considering what it's at now. What what's land at now? You're not going to be able to get a piece of decentralized land for cheaper than like five, six, up to ten thousand bucks. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty up there now. The only place I ever
0: bought a plot in, which you know, uh, because we have BB Studios hosted there,
1: is CryptoVoxels.
0: Uh, Yeah, by the way,
1: uh, we changed uh, to bbstudios.art from Blockbake and uh, broke a bunch of links. So right now, the uh, gallery looks like somebody raided it.
0: (laughs) That's all right. It'll get fixed, I'm sure. I'm going to fix
1: it up here next week.
0: It's bbstudios.art is the new brand.
1: Yes, that's the website. The new brand. We did a little branding alignment because apparently everybody had trouble doing saying block bake uh, coherently. So they were like doing bake block block bake. I should have seen that coming initially. Obviously, well, you but uh, we did we aligned early, so it wasn't too painful. Oh, you just and then BB is just just the acronym, right? I'm not going to change it. I'm just going to make it acronym. And everybody really responded to BB. They like saying it online, you know. So yeah, yeah.
0: It's a good call too. You could be like, oh, we're at BB the, today.
1: And yeah, or like, you know. hey, BB. People yeah. say that a lot. They're like, yeah. hey, BB. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. We just we all when I got this is so great too. Cause my co-founder and I, we he comes from a traditional art world, right? Where I come from more of the computer science world or whatever. But he got me into crypto real, you know, not real early, just early enough to get burned in the <laughs> in the pump and dump of 2017. But, and he got me back in actually with ENS. That's actually how we discovered, rediscovered crypto art. Um, Cause we'd heard about uh, Crypto Kitties back in the day. We were just like, what? That's crazy. You know, how do you two know each other? Oh, we're friends. Yeah. Like we're friends in real, real, real life. life. Yeah. Yeah. And then we just had like a shared interest in starting a company. And so, like, we started a private Tezos Baker.
0: And is he staying? Well, are are they staying? I don't even know if it's a he. It's okay. a he. Okay. Yeah.
1: Uh, it's a he. <laughs> yeah, it's a he. Yeah, it's a he.
0: Is he bake. baked. Yeah. That's what I call. Him. Is he staying semi anonymous? You know. How, yeah. yeah, he
1: just he just prefers that. He's kind of like cultivating as like his artist profile kind of. So dot like, is who his artist profile is. Yeah, yeah, it's on him on Twitter too.
0: Yeah, he followed me a while back. We chatted for a quick, quick hot second, but. Oh, yeah. He's really cool. And, you
1: yeah. know, we have, you know, we have, like, I wouldn't call them heated discussion. They're, like, passionate, like, disagreements sometimes. We are passionately disagree. Like, he didn't want to get into the space at first because he'd been burned so bad in the real sure. art world yeah. uh, back in the day, right? And it's still easy to get burned in this space. Uh, uh, I, yeah, I can yeah. test that. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I don't know. He keyed in on one thing really early when we got our land. Though. What's that? Well, I was, talk, I was like, so he's good with uh, 3D Max, you know, and uh, Houdini and Blender. And I was telling him, oh, okay, well, we we should get this suite, like, our, we got to get our suite, like, gallery up or something or a building. So it looks really cool because everything else around here looks really cool. And he's like, well, why, why do we have to have one building? I'm like, well, what do you mean? You know, I just realized, I, I realized after, you know, we argued vehemently that night about it. I was like, we should have a building. You know, it should be recognizable. BB Studios, blah, blah, And he's like, no, like, why wouldn't we just switch it out whenever we want? Because we can. And that's the thing about, you know, uh, Decentraland versus Cryptovoxels. You can switch out an entire scene. I don't know if you have that ability to do that in Cryptovoxels. Or no, I think you, you I have discovered to. It. I think
0: the, you would have to build multiple scenes and then you could revert. To hmm. old builds,
1: okay. But well, if you that's want, to, not quite the same. No, it's not. Yeah, uh,
0: I believe you could revert to old builds, like go back to an old build or something
1: like. I'll that. have to check that out because maybe that would be, I don't know, that could be useful in certain uh, aspects, but not not quite as nearly as useful. So, but then you know, I woke up the next morning and I was still mulling it over my head, and I was, I realized, you know what? He, I'm still thinking Web 2.0. He was thinking Web 3.0 he was thinking the capabilities of this metaverse allow us to switch out content at will fairly easily
0: is that why your plot in decentraland is like it's not a building it's it's no, a it's super it's, basic
1: yeah it's just it, two it's two two a walls. wall
0: yeah it's a wall but it's treated like a, a an in metaverse open gallery yes we don't have to walk through a door to experience it
1: Exactly, and we made it as big as possible with only our one plot of land. Which yeah. you have a height requirement of like sixteen meters with only one plot. Yeah, I think uh, my you're... plot is like six meters. Oh yeah, it's even more limited in terms yeah. of I didn't
0: know at the time that I bought a half plot. I you
1: know I got it cheap. Well, you know you did right. You staked your color or whatever that was. Oh, I did. I
0: don't know. What yeah, that it.
1: allows you to use color, whereas if you didn't, uh, you would have. I would have been relegated to grayscale. Really? Yeah. So you did something right. I don't know exactly know the, the logistics behind <laughs> that, but you did I something right. I winged it. Yeah. You did it right because I had access to colors. Yeah. Uh, awesome. You you didn't.
0: No, you know what? I bought it and it already had access to colors.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. That was it. Yeah, was a Good call then. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I did. Yeah. Maybe I did a good thing. Yeah. I think you did. I mean, you got, dude, you got primetime real estate. Yeah, you know, where, you know where literally you're the, the gallery. I didn't realize this until the other day. You know, the whip on Token Smart, Yes. Yeah. It's like a, like a crow's fly from your place. Not even that far. Get out of here. Really? Yeah. Yeah. We should go. I'll, I'll go on with you and we can fly back and forth so you can get, you know, so we could go back and forth and take some people. I've taken people to the, to the gallery before. I've just been flying around and some guy's like, hey, what's up, man? He's like, where are you going? Like, oh, I'm just going back to my gallery and building, you know, our gallery, whatever, you know, Realms Gallery. No, you can like, say your gallery. It's your gallery. Well, it's, it's my gallery while I'm building in it. But it's your gallery, obviously. I'm just the operator. But and the guy was like, oh, really? He's like, you mind if I just tag along? Check it out? I'm like, yeah. Hey, yeah like, cool? Flying around in there. It was cool. I thought it was cool. I like those little interactions. In I way.
0: think I need a PC because it's always glitchy on my Mac when I'm trying to fly through a little bit. It's.
1: Uh, I actually tried it on Oculus Quest 2. How's that? It was, they had, so their, their navigation is all like uh, old school uh, uh, mist. Remember that game back in the day? They had canned transitions, basically. So your navigation is canned instead yeah. of fluid. But other than that, it's pretty cool. I mean, I was like, pr- I was pretty impressed. You, know, you turn your head with the set and everything and look around. I mean, I, I was just flying around by myself at that point. But like, I was if you're in like a whip meeting with that on, that would be kind of pretty cool.
0: Yeah, you can get a full 360 sort of experience of being in yeah, this space. it's much, much
1: more immersive.
0: Yeah. I, I, I tried. I have Oculus 2. Uh, I gave it to my nephew and niece because um, I was That's getting dizzy.
1: <laughs> oh, really? I didn't yeah. have any problem with that stuff. Yeah. I, never, I never have any problem. I was getting
0: headaches it. and I was getting dizzy. So ah. I was like, I don't think VR world is for me. I don't really. See, I have a different perspective about how I see VR world interacting with sort of you know, our life. I don't think it's ever going to get to ready player one status. I think what's going to happen more likely is that we're going to live in an integrated world where you could pop into VR when you need it, but really your, you know, maybe your glasses or something is sort of like, you know, you live in an alternate, you know, AR sort of experienced life as opposed yeah. to
1: VR. I would probably almost fully agree with you just unless somebody comes out with like, the home entertainment theater version of VR where it's like the omnidirectional pad you can run on. Totally. And like if they came out with like a super affordable version of that and became like your new home entertainment, you know, center, I could see it that catching on at some point in a big way. But it would have to be that awesome. capability you know almost completely immersive and would have to be cheap enough for everybody to own well that's the key right like
0: you know that when this thing gets developed it's only going to be in the houses that people can
1: afford it you know just like oculus quest too actually yeah right now. I mean, honestly even even coming down to that price you got to get down to like a mobile phone like a cheap mobile phone price point before you can expect mass adoption i feel like yeah so tell me
0: what you've got going on in uh since we're talking about
1: uh, Well the whole concept I sorry I we strayed I'll be, we always stray but uh No but I want to ask you is... about
0: sort of what project you've got in the plot now in the Cryptovoxels gallery and then tie that to what the concept is for BlockBake, uh for BB Studios BB
1: Studios Okay um the whole concept in and I go back to when bake.eth figured out that we can have different content wherever we want, you know Providing new content is a fairly sustainable business model for us right now because all it requires is my time. And time and energy. Time and energy. And as long as money isn't in that equation, which is not, I have one fixed cost, you know, and I purchased land and I own that now and and you're letting me use CryptoVoxels. So that's a fixed cost and now we can produce content. So that's what we're running with. And so we decided to start this project called... Uh, Harmony and Discord, and this was ironically, I came up with the name of that project prior to joining Discord. <laughs> I was talking... I remember with, being
0: confused at first because I was like Harmony right. and Discord and then I was, I was taught, like I had a mental vision of how were you tying it into the Discord platform, but that's I was, not the same thing.
1: No, not at all. I was kind of referring to the whole like, uh, you know, sociopolitical uh, things that are happening at our time. Yeah. Um, but then someone told me on Twitter as this group was just forming, hey, you're going to need to get a Discord server for this. And I thanked them for that profusely because if I had attempted to do this kind of organization on Twitter, it would be an absolute disaster.
0: Nightmarish. Yeah.
1: Oh, my gosh. Uh, but so they, I started one and I screwed up and only invited, invited half the people to it initially. <laughs> So that was right off the bat. And then I was just bumbling around and had no idea how to use it. Just bumbling around, got kicked out of a server like in the first week for talking smack to
0: people. Yeah, they're real sensitive in some of those in some servers.
1: (sighs) Yeah, yeah, they are. But that's okay. But then we started getting to know, you know, I got to know a lot of the core, like pretty active members, you know, really well. You know, we're just talking a lot and bouncing ideas off each other. Um, So we started off with the whole theme of let's make something collectible because it's identifiable by the, the, you know, the styles of each individual artist um, rather than just a monolithic look. Right. And that, you know, I, I bumbled into the whole scene with this suggestion right in the middle of the whole hash mask controversy. Right and the whole like clash i would say between generative art and and other artists you know independent artists
0: what's um, what hash mask controversy are you specifically you know mentioning
1: i just like that no one was sure whether it was real artists behind it uh right yeah i think that was generally the controversy at the time
0: yeah and well, i think they leaned heavily into marketing that it was 70 artists.
1: Mm.
0: Right. I think that was poor on their part because they never had an intention of releasing the artist name. So why did it matter?
1: How many? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I guess I. Uh... I'd just love to know how many of those artists were already successful artists and how many artists they just picked out of a random Twitter feed and are now really successful because of that project. I would love if it was this, the latter.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen one artist claim or make a claim that they worked. There They're could one of be the hash ask. The,
1: There might be something in the contract that says they can I'm sure
0: there is. The other, I, was, I was told by Alan Hanna that it was pretty buttoned up. Uh, yeah. from a legal perspective.
1: So I think I just, I just had good timing when I came into the middle of that conversation with my project suggestion. So immediately I had a bunch of artists jumping online and on, on board. It started with just the ones that I had been talking to giving... I was giving uh, .eth names to artists to try to uh, spur and generate uh, adoption mm-hmm. so that the ones I had in my portfolio would be worth more. Um, so that's how I got to know a couple of them right off the bat. Uh, Darkened Mood, Josh White, and Heather White. I trade their .eth names to them for a couple of pieces. Uh, Duality by Josh and uh, Josh White and Darken Mood is an awesome one. That was up on your, in your uh, CryptoVoxel gallery for a little while. So I, a couple of those people jumped on board, right? And then uh, Dr. Jones jumped on board and then he recommended a bunch of people to me and then Crypto, you know, was one of those people. And I reached out to her and then she, Gave me this hilarious, and I love her because of this. She gave me this hilariously unformatted text file of all these like names, numbers, and like contacts and like who they were. And I'm just like the same way. I just always use text files. So I just like totally appreciated that. And, uh, but I, at the same time, I didn't know who you guys were. Yeah. Like I have no idea. And that's the weird thing about Twitter. You can't see the force through the tweet trees until you're connected with the right people and involved in the right conversations sometimes.
0: Yeah, that's it is unfortunate in that way. Yeah. I don't I don't really I thought
1: I had something more intelligent to stay to say there. Well, it's just but I don't it's weird because it's more of a function of how well your network is connected and not who per se you're connected to. So yeah. like I was I was dabbling a lot in Tezos because we were running a, we were running a baker and, and so I crypto art was bleeding into my Tezos feed right yeah you know you were early into
0: Tezos so I want to get your impression on Hen and there's another one that's more uh, it will be more Calebent or oh the uh, tr- was it Truzy Truzy yeah, yeah it's a little bit it's going to be more curated okay right yeah. so Truzy and then Hen. What's your, like, are you, are you excited about those projects? Um, do you feel like it validates
1: your early investments in Tezos? I think so. Well, my early investments in Tezos was just going back to, you know, me trying to analyze things from a software programmer stance. What, you know, use, valid use case, who are the people involved, you know, the teams, what, you know, long-term, what kind of ecosystems are going to be formed, that kind of stuff. And so that's why we got involved pretty early with Tezos. Uh, I'd say even earlier than crypto art, to be honest. Um, Mm -hmm. We tried to... We initially started with trying to uh, start a chain link uh, validator in Node. And that was, at the time, was way too technically hard for us. We bashed our heads against the wall for like two weeks um, and just gave up. So then we were like, oh, let's try something simpler. And that's when I started looking at Tezos and the underpinnings of how they operate their core code upgrades. You know, they're, they're upgrading core code every four months. That's pretty amazing. I mean, that's impressive for a regular pro- software yeah. project. But a blockchain, that's really impressive, in my opinion. So that's kind of why we really got involved with that. But, you know, listen to all your podcasts talking about rare bull back in the day. I knew Knock Hick Hick was going to explode just because I saw the exact, the exact same scenario happening when ETH gas prices were high and ETH gas prices were the biggest curator. Yeah. If you think about it. Yes, they were. Yeah. They were more of a curator than any, any platform individually or if even you, combined. If you can't, um, if you don't have the
0: ETH to be able to spend on gas, you're basically curating all of your content. Yeah. We were, I remember back in the day, back in the day, like it was a, <laughs> it was a year ago, a little over a year ago. Uh, crypto art, crypto art, time warp. It was crypto art, time warp. Yeah, and we we were just throwing anything up. It w- the cost of minting was non-existent. It wasn't It wasn't a process. It wasn't part of the process in thinking
1: about what should and shouldn't go up. So I compare that to almost the same thing as like a, a, a new forest system, right? Mm-hmm. And and rareble, you guys were. You guys were growing that forest, right? Yes. And then and then what happened? ETH gas prices happened. And that was the forest fire. And it cleared all the underbrush out. Right. Nobody for the longest time, months, you know, could not be mint unless they were lazy minting. That was the only option for yeah. the most part. Yeah. Or, or different or other chains that were
0: Yeah. Or if you were like me, you were still spending
1: ridiculous amounts of ETH. Yes. To mint. Yes. Or like me still spending ridiculous amounts of ETH to buy dot ETH domains. Yeah, uh, yeah. so there's those three options, right? But I think uh, to the large part, it acted kind of like a forest fire. It cleared out all the little underbrush, while the tallest trees, the people that were selling, you know, for two, three, four east don't care about east gas prices ever. That's just the cost of doing business to them. Yeah, it is. And yeah. the people, And the people collecting. But for everybody else on the low end, all those low little bushes, all the low grass, all the leaves on the ground, those little artists, they got burned big time. Yeah. And and this is hick, hick nunk and uh, side chains in general, I think. Cheap gas minting, that is the, the growth, the new growth that's growing up now.
0: It's one of the reasons I'm thinking about moving Tater Tech and the whole social liquidity mining project that I have to Matic. I, I, that's layer two, I know, but it's with cheap gas prices. You know, I'll be able to people will be able to facilitate the trading of the NFT with cheap gas prices. And, you know, I could transfer them the tokens that they need with cheap gas prices.
1: I mean, it's just completely ridiculous for every artist to expect to be able to sell their art at one or two ETH. And at the same time, it's completely ridiculous to not have a mechanism to allow an artist to sell their piece or like 100 editions of a piece for, say, $5. Well, that's what, that's what the... All, I, call,
0: I call them alt-chains, right? That's what the alt-NFT chain projects... alt. Pro, I don't know what to fucking call them. Side-chains. I like side-chains. Side chains. Yeah, okay. We'll, I'll, we'll do that. Um, that's what the side-chain projects offer. Yeah,
1: You know? and, and um, it needs to. There needs to be the, that level of an yeah. ecosystem to support everything above it. That's true. The issue is, will collectors go there?
0: So right now, the people that are collecting... Are the people that are creating, which is kind of the way you build a community, and that's great. That's what we did in Trash Art. We collected each other's art, we shared it back and forth, we gave people free, you know, free art, and that Um, works because you didn't have
1: that much friction,
0: very little friction. And that's what that's what Hen does, right? Yes, gives. I think it it offers very little friction. So it's important that the community come together to make it a viable place. That's one of the things we did with Trash Art was make rareable. A viable platform, a yes. Play, a, a, a viable destination to come to outside of your open sea, your super rare, your known origin, and your maker's place, right? Yeah, I so think so. Hen Hen is is I see is that solution right now. I'm not there. Uh, I'm not there strategically. I don't think it
1: adds value to me as an artist. Well, so from a programmer's standpoint, there the and, you know, I say this knowing full well that Chainlink still has something in mind for NFTs. So who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. In that. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not betting against those guys.
0: No, no. Sergey is a madman. Yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, but from purely from a programmer's perspective, the F2A protocol combines 721 and 1155 so that you can have a multiple edition series, but that you can still individually identify each. One in that series. So, technically speaking, it is slightly superior to the Ethereum token protocols, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. So, when I say I, I didn't know that. So, I love that, I love that you're sharing that piece of information because that kind of changes my perspective on it quite a bit. Uh, but I'm, when I say I don't think it fits me as an artist, I'm strictly speaking about my, my collector audience. Oh yeah, no, that's they're on no
1: argument there. Yeah, yeah, obviously
0: they're on ETH. I am not a people, but I am also not a new artist. I've been around the space for a while now,
1: so and I, I don't. Have a, th- I have
0: a collector base.
1: Right? I think that matters a whole hell of a lot right now. Yeah. I don't think that will matter as much, say five years down the road, when we have good functioning, easy to use bridges between all these chains. Totally. Yeah, yeah,
0: it matters now, but yeah, I'm,
1: I don't see it as a long term. It might, might still, uh, you know, there's nothing saying that it's not going to improve the long-term value, too. Because right. if you well, originated on, on an original chain, that may imply more value long-term, even if you have the mobility in the future. I, li- I think we can, we can liken it to,
0: to sort of what's happening with CryptoPunks. Yes. Uh,
1: a lot of people see it as a legacy project. You know, I, honestly, I think you're single-handedly responsible for the NFT bubble not popping a shitload harder. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about that. That's, no, I think you did. That's high th- praise, but... No, I think what you did was absolutely genius with unofficial punks. And I got to see it happen in real time. That was awesome for me, honestly.
0: One of my mods had said like, and I don't see it this way because uh, I'm, I'm just in it. I'm like making stuff all the time. But he was like... You know, you did two years in a row, you've you've had innovation. The first was the social liquidity mining project with the People's Potato and sort of like bridging the gap between NFT and and DeFi Mm. and making it social, right? Mm -hmm. And then implementing is... Anyway, I don't want to get into too much on that. But then Unofficial Punks, that happened while Tater Tech was planned. Unofficial Punks was... Unplanned and basically catching lightning in a bottle.
1: Yeah, you do, man. You caught it for a second there. Yeah, I
0: I mean, all I really did, all I really
1: did, was make my own punk. That's put a tweet out. I know. I and you just had brilliant, perfect timing, honestly. Because you know what you did was you pointed out that bubble that was being artificially inflated. I think. Yeah, and you single handedly. I think started letting a little bit of the pressure off because when all these, and I mean all those projects exploded on the scene as soon as you keyed in on it. And I mean, how many, how many unofficial punks projects are there?
0: There's 144 sub genres, right?
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: And that, do they just and explode? That's not, that's not including ones that have all started outside of unofficial punks.
1: Yeah. But see, I think people started to realize that. The sister that it was frothy when that, or at least I did, when yeah. when when things started happening like that and people were going ape into every which way and like I even got myself a, a unofficial punk from a uh, decline, which oh, yeah. I freaking love. I he's going to be on
0: the show this week. Well, I'm going to be recording it this week, but
1: nice. Actually, I got a show on uh, Token Smart now called Artist Hour, and he's going to be on that. And so uh, cool. it's so it's funny because. I would have, I am so, so lucky I decided to listen to your podcast after doing your podcast yeah. fully and thoroughly because I don't know how many hundreds of just, you know, just like, you're done. That's it. M- you know, mistakes I would have made had I not listened to all those between you and, and Decline. Like, There's a lot so of bad. great
0: information being shared. If you could spend the hour or so each day, just sort of parse through it you're gonna yeah. learn so much about the space
1: and I you know I was like trying to take it all in a mile a minute right so I'm like listening to three or four podcasts per day yeah I um, trying to catch up so I you know some of the details about people's personal lives or whatever the like, tends to blend together but I just there's so much knowledge and I it, you're crazy to try to get into the space without listening to you guys or you know getting some background information in my opinion
0: when we When I entered the space and when others entered the space, you had to like, you had to find the forest, first of all. Yes. And then you had to like navigate through the trees to figure out where you fit in. There was
1: nobody helping you. Oh, yeah. I still had to do that even with all you guys helping. Yeah. And I mean, helping me as much as you possibly could. Obviously, not like, I'm not getting any money from anybody or anything like that.
0: Yeah. No, I think it's a very collaborative. What I love about NFT space. And why I jumped on board with uh, the BB Guild, Yuna really was was sort of I love I love crypto unit. I think that her her openness just makes me so happy every time I talk to her. That whatever she's doing, I want to be a part of.
1: Yeah, her ability to connect with people is pretty uh, impressive.
0: Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. Even I mean, it's just look at this guy. <laughs> Oh, he's a cute guy. But yeah, it's um, we've kind of went off the rails a little bit. So we're talking about Yuna. I want to talk about the... I want to get back to BB Studios Guild and sort of... I, th- I don't think we dialed in on what the Guild is and what the projects are.
1: So when I first got into the space, obviously I had no idea. And before I listened to your podcast, and DK's podcast, I had no idea that there was the Guild. So I... S- I kind of stepped on their toes at first. What's the guild? I don't even know what that is. Uh, you know, uh, with Dan Pannell and uh, Oh, yes. The, the art auction house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They call themselves the guild. Right. And oh, I I, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I had a conversation with them on Twitter. And they're like, you know, they hit me up. Oh, hey, what, do you got, what are you up to? And I'm like, oh, you guys are a guild too? You know, you're new to the space? And imagine me being this guy super new to the space. You know, like, oh, you guys are new, and they're—they've been there forever, right?
0: Yeah.
1: And the whoever was on the control of the Twitter account was very gracious. Didn't even bust my balls on or anything. Like, I
0: think it's Dan, I think it's Daniel.
1: Oh, okay, so yeah, he was he was really gracious. He's just like, oh yeah, you know, we've been around here for a little while, blah blah. You should check us out, blah blah. And oh, very and nice. Th- that
0: definitely sounds like him.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very very like cool and chill. Yeah, because he could you know he could be like, who's this guy?
0: <laughs> you know. I think for the most part, you, you know, as long as you're coming in, f- coming from an honest perspective, people can yeah. read that early on, you know? I think they can most of the time. Most of the time.
1: Yeah, sure. You, rugs can get pulled, for sure. Yes. There's been some rugs pulled. Let's admit it. <laughs> well, of course. Yeah. Some yeah. full-on celeb rugs pulling.
0: <laughs> well, you know, if, you didn't, uh, if people didn't expect celebrities to come in for a cash grab, Mm. Um, I mean, we were talking about it a year and a half ago. Celebrities oh, will yeah. come in. Right. Celebrities will well, make yeah, your, make more your money. episode
1: with V. Yeah. Yeah. Case in yeah, point. Yeah. Case in like, point. He was saying it right then. He's, you know, he's, and I took that one to heart. You know, when when he said that 97% of the projects would fail, I'm thinking to myself, well, what's that three percent? Right. What is that three well, percent? He you didn't, could, you he, could didn't look, he didn't really so, go into that. I'm saying.
0: I don't, because I don't think that there's, there's a magic filter that could tell us what the 3% will be.
1: Mm, I slightly disagree. Okay. Just like look at all of the ones that are successful, successful still right now. Sure, sure. Yeah, you could use that as a filter. Yes. Yeah. But okay. there's, I mean, you know, they fall into this, this couple of distinct categories, is what well, I'm saying. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So just look at that and that's your three percent.
0: Yeah, definitely like when I see Snoop Dogg dropping an NFT and it's pretty plain, you know, kind of run in the mill, that's a project I I see is gonna fail. You know. Uh but maybe he's dipping his toe in and maybe in twenty years it becomes Snoop's favorite, you know, original project.
1: Yeah, that's and a good point. It, it might just fail right now.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think you
1: know, who knows? Well, I, I'd like in this t- whole space kind of to think about like when they discovered a new continent, or even the Wild West. That's yeah, the Wild West is, I think, more accurate. Yeah, it's probably more accurate because all of a sudden you've got a bunch of new resources. Everybody's scrambling to get said new resources. Put stakes in land. Yep. Fucking, you know, plant their their flag. Exactly, and so like. Until all that happens, you, nothing shakes out to where you have town formation, right, uh, state formation out west. Like, none of that happened until everybody was pretty well at it already, you know, scrapping, yeah. getting scrappy out in the, the wild west towns. Right. You didn't there. walk
0: into, you didn't, you didn't walk onto like, a land and say, this is a town, and then start building the post office. No. Like, you know, so all that stuff. The infrastructure was built before the incorporation, basically. Exactly.
1: And so that's what I think we're in right now is a sort of land grab just where nobody's real sure how the hierarchy is going to shake out, but there's going to be a hierarchy. That's the thing. And I don't really like, personally, I don't like the talk of, I don't, I think the whole decentralization utopia talk is counterproductive personally.
0: Well, it sounds good in
1: theory, but it's not good in practice. Well, it just never pans out in practice. No, no. Even in a decentralized platform, you're still going to have signals in the noise. Sure. And that is the centralization. Like, yeah, nobody, I don't know. I guess ignunk Hick- Hick- right now, it might be proving me wrong, but.
0: Well, if we, if we think about, when I think about decentralizing art, I think about becoming my own marketplace as second realm. Mm-hmm. Well, then I become a centralized marketplace for a second realm product.
1: Yes. Right. So you're always getting yeah, there's going to be there's always, always centralization. Yeah. So it's to, to assume that we are going to shed off. And this is why going back to why Bake.eth really didn't want to get into the space at first mm-hmm. because he got burned in real life art world. Pretty sure. bad. And that's hard and business. It's a tough business. hard I was, business. Yeah. I was not aware, and, you know, after multiple discussions, we finally aligned. But, you know, he got, did dirty in the real art world the same way I got the dirty in the VC world, you know? So we actually have a lot of similar things that we've learned from in that respect. But that's why he didn't want to get because he was so convinced that this would just be play out exactly the same way as it played out for him. I'm not sure he's wrong. I'm not either. But
0: I think we can... The benefit is that we can control our reaction to the space right now.
1: Yes. And, and being I, and this, yeah. The bubble helps. The bubble popping helps. And that's why I think that yeah. you did such a service with unofficial punks because I think you. you started poking holes in that bubble before it got big enough to really, really hurt people. Yeah. I mean, I think that was more of like pure luck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to disagree with you there. But yeah. There was, you that still was, did it. there was
0: no intention behind that.
1: Just, you know, what happened from it, I think, was really good. Really, really good timing. In my yeah. Opinion.
0: What do you think about, since we're talking about Larva Labs and CryptoPunks a little bit, what do you think about those me bits?
1: Well, like I said, are they backed by, by a VC firm? Then they're probably going to do well. I just don't see. Is that I 3%? We yeah. don't see their value. Well, you know, that's kind of how I got in this space. Anyways, I was questioning CryptoPunks value. Yeah. I think they, and they, owe, they owe you a freaking... Thank you, letter for that. Your artificial punks reinforce the value of their punks.
0: Oh, I I actually think I made I put a statement out yesterday. A statement, a, not a statement, but a post. I think that uh, alt punks actually help maintain the value of crypto punks, while bits might actually devalue them because it's, yes. another,
1: it's another project. Yes, I you agree. Know. No, I, I completely agree. No, it's just like I I don't know like the. I do think it's very interesting the direction we're headed in terms of being able to sustain a massive creative economy. I don't think you can have that without gamifying it in the long run. What do you,
0: when you think about gamifying, what do you think? Like what's, a, what's an aspect that, so, that stands
1: out to you? What I'm hopeful for is a lot of the content creation, you know, the tsunami of artists coming into the space, all of the content that's now available uh, that is being created for pennies and just on people's time, right? That's That's the real thing being spent right now is people's time. Oh, yeah. And if you have a deluge of content, it's going to be devalued. However, if we can start infusing that content into... Ecosystems, massive ecosystems that are centered around massively multiplayer metaverses where hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, you know, that's essentially what Ready Player One was, was showcasing. Yeah. The people that could, you know, they were spending, the, you know, it doesn't, a lot of people spend their time, whether it's in an office or whether it's in a gaming chair. A lot of people are spending, you know, four or five, six hours sitting around doing something. Shit, maybe even longer maybe even longer. So who's to say, You know, if we're going to make people just sit there and and spend their time doing something, if if we're going to solve underlying problems of production and ease that with robotics, let's do what Carlos Slim was saying and let's transform our economies to entertainment-based economies. Mm. And those economies don't have to necessarily be zero-sum. They can be, you know, based in gamified massive worlds like the Ready Player One, you know, supposed, and where you're generating the you know the income you generate to live off of is essentially a it's almost like a universal basic income disguised as a gamified experience that's really meaty yeah i've been thinking about this a lot lately yeah. especially with like some of the games and i don't know there's there's a lot of parallels to what's happening in certain metaverses uh, and what happened in that movie there are yeah
0: i think that Ready Player One is a utopian vision of what it could be. I think we're more likely to have multiple metaverses.
1: Oh, yes, definitely. But they did did have multiple metaverses. But there was an underlying mechanism to which they could jump into each metaverse.
0: Right, but it was all controlled by one organization. That's true. Yeah.
1: And that won't happen.
0: No, no. That'll just... We'll have multiple organizations. It'll be like social media. Yeah. You'll have the
1: big five, Right. Yeah, and then you'll have you'll have a bunch that grow up around yeah. them.
0: Yeah, little micro micro economies, right? All that kind of stuff. But I if mean, you know micro micro worlds,
1: yeah, micro economies that could better sustain people than the ones that we have now in and, and you know terribly run third world countries.
0: Yeah, let's we keep moving away from blockbake.
1: I know. Studios, BB, BB Studios. Sorry, gotta, <laughs> we keep moving away from BB Studios. This is how we talk for four hours. I'm it example. is. It I'm, is all, I'm terrible, it is.
0: and I'm I mean, being very mindful. I'm uh, trying to trying to lock this down in, in okay. an hour and a half. Okay. So, no, it's not your bed. I mean, I just enjoy talking to you. We have there's so many like really interesting things we could just.
1: It's know, really it's really fun when you have someone intelligent to talk with. Honestly, yeah. I always enjoy.
0: Well, it. I appreciate that. I never felt like I was intelligent, but. Thank no, you. I, I, that was a I, deep insecurity of mine. I mean, now I don't give a shit. But <laughs> back in the day, I was like, I am not a smart man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, I don't yeah. feel, I don't, and I, really, I just felt like the whole world was looking down on me. But it was really just me looking down on myself. That's like a whole other mental health thing. Mm. Um, Blockbase, uh, BB Studios, um, you, I, I participated in two of your,
1: yeah, the collection, themed the collections. collections.
0: The themed collections so far: Crypto Cats and Crypto... Uh, Cyber Cats, Cyber oh, Cats and Cyber, Cyber Dogs. Cats
1: and Cyber Dogs. Yeah, I always get them mixed up too. Yeah, I can never remember which. And place. then
0: tell us about the next one that's coming out because I think that that's really cool, and and the way that you know your people have been partnering.
1: Yeah. So, when I first thought of it, I was thinking of let's start off with the on the on the spectrum of collectible, right? But let's end up on the spectrum of kind of higher art, finer art concepts. So the third one, which is heroes versus villains. And again, we try to have very few rules. So I'm not 100% sure on all of if all of the submissions are going to follow this format or not. But uh, this was a suggestion that everybody liked a lot. So we're going to stick to primarily literary and historical figures. For heroes versus villains. So, something like Edison and Tesla. Yes. And I can't say for sure, but that might be an entry. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I mean, it's the first one that came to mind for me. Right. Um, so, the artists were paired off. Uh, and this is, you know, this goes back to I delayed these collection releases a pretty good long time. So, there is kind of a, Discombobulation right now of how many people have submitted for all these themes, but they're catching up. Uh, so hopefully they'll get caught up every time. But every artist pairs off with another artist, and one artist pair uh, takes a hero, and then the other artist takes a villain. And some of these people have been trying to, you know, pair like you said, Tesla and Edison. Yeah. Um, I mean, that I just think, seems like a very obvious one, but there's going right. to be some really unobvious ones. Well, some people took some unobvious ones, which I love. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's
0: those got to be the most. I would, for me, those would be the most interesting because, you know, I'd be curious
1: about what the what they saw
0: was the hero villain aspect of their relationship, right?
1: And you could argue that some of the heroes had a little bit of villain in them, and vice versa too. Yeah. And I think some of them key in on that a little bit. Well, I think most people think, oh,
0: hero Edison, villain Tesla, but. History tells us an entirely different story. Oh yeah. Yeah. If you've been paying attention. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that is not Edison the case. was
0: was a shrewd, <laughs> shrewd businessman.
1: Yep. And he had his he had his Edison boys, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he didn't play. No, Tesla, he was he was playing for keeps. He was yeah. he was playing the OG game. Yeah, he was. And Tesla, on the other hand, damn, we could have gotten 50 more years out of that dude. Whew. I wish, yeah been amazing who knows what he would come up with anyhow again we ramble yeah
0: no so well this one was in context <laughs> oh, yeah. because we're talking about the the historical hero villain collection that you've got coming up soon first then the have- one
1: the one after that though gets even more into it the the sort of so that's the one after that is uh life's fire death's ice so you know we were trying to do and again this goes back to the whole like trying to feed in some discord into our harmony, right? With a little, yeah. con, you know, contrasting stuff, but not trying to be too cool, cliche about it, yeah. you know?
0: Have you been doing any writing or like sharing the story behind this stuff?
1: You know, that's probably where I fall short big time when it comes to marketing some of this stuff. I definitely need to get more into the story of the themes themselves. The theme the first two were kind of self explanatory. So I didn't really focus that much, but I definitely will do that with these.
0: Well, I think even I think the first two describing why you you chose them as a lead in. I mean it's obvious to some, but not always obvious to anyone.
1: Part of the problem is we didn't really have a decent looking website until like last week. Yeah. And like I tried to do the WordPress myself. It just I couldn't cut it. Yeah. I had to get somebody professional to do it, which that I actually went. got a ex I got ex illustrator from The Simpsons to do it. That's cool. I got to talk to him for a while, and it was awesome. He was Is he
0: doing it. some art in the NFT space at all?
1: Uh, he does. He does like physical stuff. He does like leather work and stuff like that. So I actually, might get a I might get a wallet from him. Nice. Yeah. So he's like leather work and uh, some other physical stuff. I don't know if he, but he definitely isn't interested now. He didn't know much. He's like, oh, I'm going to have to check it out now. Oh, he should. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But so, so now we have a professional looking website. Now I think I can start actually pushing the narrative of the collection and people won't be distracted by how crappy the website looks because that's, to be honest, that's what was happening (laughs) earlier. I think. Yeah. I mean,
0: I think that there's a lot of crappy websites
1: out there as long as, you know, I guess it, I guess there is a difference between being crappy and it looks like you did it yourself, and being crappy and it looks like you yeah. paid someone money to do it.
0: Well, there's there's a reason I choose I choose to use Squarespace, and it's really about just getting the MVP up as fast as possible.
1: Once our once he got a good template in for us, now it's so easy to use. Like so easy, yes. Oh, it's it's great once you have a right the right template in. We just had terrible templates. and yeah. we didn't know how to you know, manipulate them and stuff like that. So Yeah,
0: I used to work in that space. I never want to go back to being any sort of developer. So people ask me all the time, oh, you're a developer. I'm like, hell no. I could read and probably code if I wanted to. I just don't enjoy it at all. And so it's beneficial for me to work with developers and then be able to read their code so I can Mm -hmm. read it, no problem. Mm -hmm. But I have zero, zero desire to ever touch a piece of code ever again. I can feel you on that one. (laughs) Ten years of doing (laughs) it—it is mine. I mean, I have such appreciation for the people who enjoy it, but it's mind-numbingly boring to me.
1: Honestly, I, yeah, you have to have a unique, a really unique intrinsic uh, motivation to stick it out. Absolutely. Yeah, I think
0: that's true of most things. I think people who are naturally like artistically inclined would probably say the same thing. You know, probably,
1: that's fair. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, for me, I have to create. Like, I don't have a choice. Because uh, when I don't create, I feel like the world is, you know, there's pressure. And and for me, creation is is sort of releasing that pressure valve. You know,
1: I I totally found that joy again when I was started doing your your gallery and started doing the DCL galleries. You know, I'm not creating the art itself, but I get oh, you're to building. Create, yeah, I'm building. Yeah. And, you know, I got my, I have a, a sandbox land and I'm building in the game builder uh, level for that. And cool. it's just, it's so, I forgot for the longest time after the failure of Bar Spot what the joy of creating something from scratch and watching it grow. And I'm sure a lot of people feel that with having kids, but I don't, I don't have that personally. Me too. Um, so yeah, I don't,
0: I don't know that feeling,
1: but. Yeah. So I'm sure that's how most people get that feeling uh, for, you know, sustained long-term, but. You know, for the rest of us, it's creating uh, art and creating content, and I don't know. I just think that it really helped me out over the last four or five months, personally. I really loved that I've been able to build something
0: in the space. I started out as just like a trash artist, moshing stuff and like mm. commenting on the on the space as a nobody, and here I am. You know, two years later, got a podcast, articles, right? You know. Like, people are coming to me and asking me my opinion. And to them, it matters. And That's, for, like, rewarding. It's totally rewarding. Pretty I love rewarding. helping people. I really, really do. That's why I keep my shit open. That's why I don't have you see, you're doing consultation it the right way. hours. You know, I'm not about, like, trying to monetize my consultation. Not yet,
1: anyway. Right. No, but that's the thing. When you are, and I'm sure you will at some point, you'll be honest about it. And I think that's I really... Would, yeah. I think that's the difference, in my opinion. I came into the space fully wanting to monetize, right? But I realized, for me, long-term, the path to that monetization is helping artists out, is providing content for content creation. So that's how I'm going to monetize it eventually.
0: Yeah, I've always known intuitively that helping others make money is a great way to build your network and to help you make money in the future. I've always known that. Yeah, You know, that's why I, I have this podcast is to help bring voices to those who don't necessarily have the opportunity. Like I was asked the other day to bring somebody. Why don't I talk to Mad Dog Jones, Mad Dog, or, or Slime Sunday? Mm. And the reality is they don't need my platform.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, other artists do, and maybe one day I will have them on the show. Right now, I'm really interested in like shining the light on, in other artists that I f- I think are really awesome and have a great story to tell.
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely the way to do it. And uh, you have already got a base too, like uh, you know, people following you and everything. I'm with the Artist Hour. I'm trying to inject a just a small ratio of super well-known people, you know, like decline yeah. just to get. You know everybody interested in the show, but I definitely I'm pulling people off of random Twitter. You know, totally. Like I'm, yeah. I don't know who these people are. And I'm like, hey, you want to I mean, come in? You should seed the pot seed from my podcast.
0: To, you know, borrow. Yeah. Take those people too, and yeah, you know, it's like why not? Really awesome people out there. I talk. Yeah. I was talking to Matt Caesar, who uh, is a professional baseball player, and he's an artist, right? Mm-hmm. Here's a guy trying to make it happen in AAA, you know, in minor league was up, was up in the show in 2015 and he's still trying to make that dream happen. But here he is also in the NFT space. And he's, I like that. Yeah. You know, he's just trying to, another thing he's trying to make happen. I love that, you know, stories like that. I would never have been able to come across something like that if I wasn't here.
1: Yeah. And I think that stuff that like the kinds of things you and decline doing and some of these other marketplaces, I just think of all this as infrastructure that absolutely has to be in place yeah. for a larger economy to grow out of it. Well, BB Studios is
0: doing the same thing. You're giving, you're giving a voice to artists, right? you, Yeah. Yeah. What I loved about doing the show with you on Token Smart was we spent an hour, it was about an hour? I think an hour and a half. Hour over, and a half, yeah. talking about one series of artworks that we did. Yeah. It was the first time in, in, my, in my time in the space that I've had an opportunity to share that with 40, 50, 100 people. You know? uh, we had a lot.
1: We had like 150 people for years. Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: but it was the first time in my life where... That was
1: actually when I started out. I have to give a big shout out to Dab Dragon. Yes. I started out on Dab Dragon Hangouts and he got me in big time. Uh, gave me a shot just like you gave me a shot. And and then the token smart people heard that and they liked it and dab dragons uh pretty sick right now He's still got some hospital bills to pay i set up a .eth domain for him uh it's dabdragonfund.eth so if you guys want to send him some nfts or a little bit of eth to hold him over on these hospital bills he got real sick so they're holding his show on ice and they gave me my own show uh, so token smart big shout out to token smart cuz they're also doing it right in terms of creating a community a sustainable community. They've
0: got a pretty big community over there too, right?
1: Yes, they do. Yeah. I think it's upwards of 7,000 members. Wow. Now, yeah. I believe. And
0: that's Token Smart is Jimmy and all of them,
1: right? Yeah, you know it's funny. I I I'm sure I pissed off Jimmy when I first started in this space because I yeah. sent him like a bunch of emails before I even really knew what he who he was. Yeah. He's just like who's this guy wasting my time? <laughs> I even had a meeting uh, playing with him, he kind of blew off. I don't know. I might have screwed something up. But I was like, oh, whatever.
0: I never, when I first came into the space, he'd already been here. And I didn't sort of understand his communication style. Uh-huh. And I appreciate it now. He's very like, it's dry. Yeah. It's honest. Yeah. He tells you how he feels, you know, and hey, he's, he's a not to, He's unapologetic about it but he's also not being, he's not really being an asshole about it. He's just telling you
1: how he feels. He's a straight yeah. shooter. Yeah. yeah no, he I, is,
0: totally. And I respect him for that.
1: I do too. And I don't, I actually don't agree with him on all the things on, I'm on kind of on your side of the camp on some of the things, but I actually really, I, I listened to that one where he came on and, uh, yeah. he, and you know, he's dude's a straight shooter and he's got a good thing going. I think. Yeah.
0: He first said,
1: yeah, we, we don't think get into that. Yeah. yeah.
0: He has his opinions on trash yard are well known.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So, you know, it's Dab Dragon gave me a shot, just like you gave me a shot. And I'm trying to give other artists a shot, just like I was given a shot. And we got to just keep that going because that type of, you know, and when people preach community, I think that is the essence of the community. Like, I want to know how many yeah. celebrities have other artists' NFTs in their wallets. You know, I'd like to see, I'd like to poke in on Etherscan and to see how many, you know, that's yeah. my only beef. Give back a little bit. I, I hear you
0: on that. Um, I personally, like, my, my thought process is I don't care
1: if they do or don't have, celeb, you know. Well, uh, no, actually, you artists. know, they're not even the worst. They're yeah. actually, they're actually small scale. I'm talking about, I'm talking about big companies. I'm talking about yeah. VC firms. I'm talking about those people. You guys start giving back. The, you know, if you're going to, if Coca Cola, if you're going to waltz into this space, uh, Taco Bell, if you're going to waltz into this space and try to slang your, slang your wares, how about buy up some other people's wares?
0: Yeah. I don't know. I, I think
1: agree. it needs to be a little more reciprocal sometimes. I think you, you know, I was talking to somebody uh, that was, I was featured in Graffiti Kings and they were over the moon about how you collected one of their pieces.
0: Oh, I, I don't even, who? Cyber I think. Oh yeah, I love her. Love yes. Cyber Shakti. Yes,
1: yes. yeah. Um, I've
0: collected a few of hers. I don't collect often. Uh, I seem to tend to collect more female artists than than I male think artists.
1: You're but. probably more like me. You collect when something stands out at you that you really like. Probably, it's about right?
0: a it's about an internal reaction for me, yeah. not not an ROI. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Me too. I don't, I don't like collect. if I
0: if I have to have
1: something, I will buy it. Right, and I didn't get an unofficial punk until decline. You know, until we discovered the whole zombie genre. And now it's like, oh, fuck, I want
0: one. Yeah. Yeah. Unofficial punks isn't for everybody. I'm okay with that. Right? It's just every
1: genre might not be for everybody. I just found a genre that I really liked and really spoke to me. And that's why I got it. Totally. Yeah. And that's what it's for. That's why it's so genius. Because you were like, you almost were like, you kind of split the difference on what I was trying to do. Honestly, you kind of synthesized that. uh, If now that I'm thinking about it probably unconsciously but what's that just the fact that you were able to take a well-known collectible thing mm. right the cyberpunks and then you were able to make it so that other artists could monetize uh, the success of that genre yeah.
0: and they you know it's interesting you know i made i made a significant amount just selling my own punks yeah uh, other subgenres made more than me
1: like yeah, like like a lot more in some. I think one made that's like nuts. a million. Uh, yeah, that's so, so nuts. Yeah, I didn't even that's, come close to making that. But that's but, awesome because you made that possible with with doing what you did. I think I made it acceptable to do a remix of
0: the punks, you know, in a, in a way that's respectful. Yes, yes, you know, because I didn't, you know, I I actually came out and had a conversation with OpenSea and Larva Labs through OpenSea about the project before it went big.
1: Well, that was that was kudos on you, man, because that's probably part of the reason it succeeded.
0: Yeah, and then recent, I, I think so. Yeah, you know, um, and I I just made the point that it's an homage. It's not we're not trying to compete right in any way. And you know the, the thing that I I like to point out to people is that there is st- there are ten thousand CryptoPunks, right? Yeah. there's still fifty percent less unofficial punks.
1: Yeah. In the world. Altogether.
0: Altogether. Yeah. Because the collections are up to 100, usually 100 punks. Yeah. people Mine don't is try going to... up to 256. Others have gone a little bit more, but it's usually not more than that.
1: Yeah. No one's trying to touch that 10,000. No,
0: it's also not generative in most cases.
1: And that's why, that's why it's so genius because yeah. you can still pick out the original punks now from unofficial punks. You totally can.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that's, yeah. Mike, my, my hat's off to you, man. You really crushed that. Thank you. But
0: this, this segment turned into about me.
1: Well, no, no, you know. but, uh So I guess BB Studios is still what's the very future much... Of, yeah, what's the, what's the future of BB Studios? So we are taking on... We are actually... We're taking on a client. I'll be honest about this. We're taking on a client, but he's going to be a part of the, the BB Studios. We're just going to we're going to take a slightly higher percentage from him than we are our regular members. So you're going to launch his or their
0: NFTs for them.
1: Yes, um, That's
0: smart. That's smart. Yeah, having but, having a middle having the ability to give artists um, middle support
1: in order to get, enter the space is going to be big. And and he's you know and the reason we picked this you know we had some other potential clients and we didn't go with them. Well, actually, to be more accurate, they didn't go with us. But I don't think we would have wanted to go with them anyways long-term. But here's the thing. We don't want to help sell anything we wouldn't buy ourselves. Right? I think that's a great way to approach it. Like, And if it's... if When it comes to art, I'm not going to help sell. I'm not going to take a higher percentage and help sell somebody that I don't... Would not enjoy having myself. Yeah, that
0: makes sense. I do the same thing with every, every single one of my projects. I won't take it on. Or I won't even like RT if it's something that I'm not. Yeah. Yeah, I know I like, anybody can like anything, but when people just come to me and say, check out my project, will you RT it for me? No. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, my initial reaction is no, then i yeah. look it over. If it's something I like, all right, I might. Yeah. In most cases,
1: way. I won't because, you know, it's, you know, anyway. I'm a little bit more liberal with my reach reading. Because I don't really have to lock it down at the moment, but like I'm the same way. I'm just like, okay, well, I'll take a look at, it, and then if it's cool, then I'll retweet it. But if I don't like it personally, then I'm not going
0: to. Yeah, it. my feed has become a little bit more curated recently. Mm. That's not. A, I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah, it's it's because it's just because I'm trying to, like, get more eyeballs on the podcast
1: and yeah. on my art. You know, yeah, you don't want to so, dilute it with a bunch of just random comments.
0: No, no. But if you're my like, if you're my friends, I RT shit all the time for my friends. Oh yeah, you yeah. Know, you know, stuff with BB Studios, stuff with you know Decline. You know, we're competing podcasts. I RT as right. podcasts. You know, yeah,
1: yeah. I, I don't care. Like, no, I don't think. I actually don't think you're competing because I think both of you are. Yeah, you, know, you be, my guys might be competing with some other podcasts, but I think that you guys yeah. actually complement each other's podcasts really well.
0: Yeah, we definitely have different focuses.
1: Yeah. yeah. But, uh, I, I'm more broad.
0: He's he is more vertical.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly how I would describe it. Yeah. But anyhow, so we're taking on a client and I'm doing this because I think it's going to help out the projects of, that we're doing with the members. I think there's going to be a very unique way to display our collage type pieces uh, is what I'm hoping for. And so we're talking right now with him about that. And it's going to be really unique in terms of melding some uh, physical with digital. Nice. And all right. So I think, I don't know, some people dog that they're like, Oh, it's wasteful. I don't, I think that's really cool. Honestly. What, what's, what's wasteful about it? Well, you know, there, this goes back to the whole like utopia of, of digital, like decentralization, oh. like uh, none of us are going to be materialistic anymore because we're all going to have digital only things. That's like, bullshit. I mean, you live in a material bullshit. world. Yeah. That's bullshit. Um, yeah. But, You've got you know, any material products to,
0: in, to interact with the, with the digital world.
1: Yeah. But, and there's so many good solutions that the digital world can bring to the physical products. Yes. That Why wouldn't you do that? I don't know. So yep. that's gonna I be, love that idea. So,
0: I, I explored it a little bit. I'm planning to explore physical and digital again for mental health, uh, mental health Awareness Month. And I think that it's not really utilized well yet
1: in this space. No, not at all. Not even 1%. Stretch. I think Felocious
0: kind of does a really good job of doing that. But a lot of it is brand heavy on, on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think there's lots of room for growth for integrating both physical artifacts
1: and digital artifacts. Trevor Jones, uh, you know, he's,
0: he, he does another good AR. one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's been doing AR for fuck. A, a, but the way
1: he accomplishes it, I'm talking tech-wise. Yeah. If you drill down into it, it's pretty, pretty smart. Yeah, very smart. So yeah, uh, we'll be doing some of that. I hope to you know, integrate more artist hour uh, in terms of helping to market the whole uh, project and everything. So that's where we're headed. Just con- we're just heads down gonna keep con- creating content and like, just build, build the content like you're building your content and you know, say, you know, offer services to, you know, and I'm doing this, like I said, I'm spending my time, but that's What are you focusing on? Now.
0: What are you focusing on for Artist Hour? Like, is it artworks? Kind of like what it's we It's just did? the same format that we're doing. Yeah. That I we love did. love that. Yeah. yeah. We need to, we should work on a funnel between you and I. Ooh, definitely. Yes. You know? I'm um, done with that. Because then I think it'd be, I think it'd be beneficial for the artist too.
1: Yeah. No, it would. It would be, it would make things more coherent. Like even when I suggested to decline it first, uh, you know, we had to redo this one, obviously, because I didn't. You know, our first one wasn't really specific to the space, right? It was just yeah. us getting to know each other. But when I told Decline, I was like, you know, it'd be cool to have me on one and then have me on the other after I learned about everything, which we sort of got halfway into it, right? We sort of did halfway. But I just think that the more we can tie everybody together and really start creating, again, an actual working ecosystem that people can start building off of. Yeah. So, I actually also got put in part of, I got put in charge of Pranksy's land on Decentraland. Um, yeah. Oh, tell me about <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> that was cool. That was really cool. So, I have to, uh, I'm going to burn some bridges here, but there was not very good organization on, in terms of who was supposed to put up stuff for Graffiti Queens events. And some of the stuff got, you know, slipped through the cracks the first, Show I ended up posting a little, some of the, uh, and actually that's how I met Violet Jones and Trevor Jones, uh, as I hosted uh, some of her artwork on our scene, in addition to the main skate park scene, because they couldn't hold everybody. So this, they did a makeup round the next week to get everybody else's art in. And sure enough, wouldn't you know, somebody dropped the ball again. No. Uh, and Crypto Una just called me, you know, she hit me up on Twitter really close to hysterical because she was trying to get everybody's art. Craig was like, yes, you know, use my land. Hats off to him. That was really noble. And, but then she was trying to do the, place all of the work herself. And if you don't know how to use the, the central land builder, there is absolutely no way you're placing 100 pieces of art in a scene. And it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, even if you know how, all the controls and how to, how to do it effectively and quickly. It's in, a lot of work. Um, because you just, I don't know, they haven't gotten good at doing it automatically yet. Um, so she would just hit me up and was like beside herself. And I was like, listen, I've a lot of builder experience now. Just give me control of the scene. I'll get and give me an Excel with all everybody's art. I'll get it in there. And, you know, and so that's what I did. It took me like 11 hours. Wow. Uh, it's a lot of time and energy put into that. It and was you- about a third of the artists that got. You know, got up there again. Wow. And if that hadn't happened, they would have had a lot of people mad at him. That was a big show, too. Yeah. It was a big show. And I just didn't want to, you know, I felt bad for her because she's in the middle of all of it and none of it's her fault. And everybody was coming down on her from all sides. So I'm like, let me just, let me do this for you. It's, it's a Friday. Yeah, you know, I got time. <laughs> so I did that. And I guess out of goodwill, Pranksy said, you know, just keep uh, operating. So, he only has half his his land built out, so Bacon and I are uh, working with a architect in Melbourne, and we're going to design another gallery to put on the other half of his land. Nice. And we're gonna we're gonna put some of the collections in there and stuff. Wow. Assuming it's all good with him, I think it is. Bacon putting up putting up. Uh, not Big Daddy, BB Studios putting
0: up collections all over the metaverse.
1: Oh, yeah, that's what we're going to do. I started uh you know what, I, I wish I could have done this with yours, but I'm going to submit every scene now to Decentraland uh, for acceptance into the scene pool. Oh, what's that? Tell me about the scene pool. So there's this thing called a scene pool, and people submit scenes, and I have absolutely no idea what the criteria is for being accepted into this pool. But if you own land and you're not a developer, you don't know how to use the builder, you can go on this scene pool and pull entire scenes out and then just post it on your land. Interesting. So there's, I'm guessing there are people that are specifically building scenes just for other people to use.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, it's like a microeconomy in the in the metaverse.
1: Yeah. And that's uh, kind of what we want to do as part of our, you know, services. Uh, we're already courting a couple people. Um, but I just figure, you know, let's let's McDonald's this shit. <laughs> let's frame the office, putting all the scenes in yeah. her. See if, you know, you know, maybe it gets approved and maybe somebody else throws up your scene, you know. Hell yeah. Who knows? So. Cool. I don't know. It's, it's, it's awesome. I just love that there's so much freedom and fixed costs when it comes to the, making all this stuff work. Uh, for me, it needs to have fixed costs. And if I have to expend my time, I can do that right now. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Well, I think uh, we're almost at time. So thank you so much for joining me today we did almost two hours i conversate very
1: well with you i think that uh we have a lot of same, yeah i don't know I, I i get people on my wavelength and i like to talk with people that i consider to be on my wavelength and it's cool man just seems like yeah it's awesome i'm really this was i
0: think we hit on pretty much everything we probably talked about on the last podcast too
1: most of it yeah yeah love to have some personal things there <laughs> I think we left out some personal things.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, this isn't going to be the only time you're on the show. So plenty of time to share Oh, we definitely right yeah, you're gonna
1: be on you're gonna be on artist hour too. Yeah.
0: Plenty so. of time for us to get deeper into uh, more personal, you
1: definitely.
0: know personal stuff. Uh I got the world knows, well, the NFT world knows that I share my share my deep personal stuff. So um uh, it's sort of a moniker, but um I often like Hope that when people listen to the show they get education about the space, but they also learn about you, the person behind the project. Because I think that creates a deeper emotional
1: connection. I think I think it does. I think I mean that's so obvious. But it's in this day and age, sometimes the obvious stuff slips by people. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It does. Well, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thanks.